0: Everybody, welcome back to the Sexy Scary Book Club. I'm Lisa. And I'm Jess. And what are we talking about today? We are talking about Iced.
1: Book Six. Book Six, yeah. The first book that came out after the supposed end of the fever series. Um, and it's kind of more of Danny's story. So
0: kind of, yeah. It, I mean, it, we don't really get Mac and Barons at all. We don't.
1: No, Mac and <laughs> Barons are are gone. I don't
0: They never really talk about that. They
1: do later on. I would just like to think that Mac and Barons are having lots and lots and lots of great sex because they finally decided that they do want to have sex. So good on them. That's what they're doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I uh, yeah, I've got things to say about that. Um, But that's funny that you bring that up because I, I say, are we really supposed to think that they they're not invested in the the plot of this book, the figuring out what's going on with the horror frost King and, and eliminating that um, destructive force from Dublin before everybody dies. Uh, You know, I'm sure their sex is rocking and clearly it's a distraction to them because, you know, they disappeared for days in the last book to do this. Yes. But I, I don't know that I buy that they wouldn't be, a part of trying to solve this problem.
1: I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if they
0: know about the Horfrost King. Well, we know that Ryan and Barons are together in this book because oh, they, yeah, because they, they die
1: <laughs> together. Wow, you're really, we're just like giving it all, like there's a hoarfrost King and Barons and Raiden
0: die. That's yeah. Look. I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know just I don't know um I actually kind of want to start do something a little bit different and and start this episode off by reading the review that I picked because I think it hits on on something that we're probably going to want to talk about immediately um so you know if we save it for the end I don't want to have to backtrack later um so I don't know if you can save yours till later if you want
1: I can. Um, I will say I had the good review, and I had a hard time finding a good review.
0: Oh, interesting. Um, this was
1: not a book loved by many, <laughs> at least on. Well, that's
0: funny that you say that because there were predominantly good reviews on Amazon. Ooh. I. I mean, you know, I just I was surprised by that because I should say right off the back that I bat that I did not care for this book. I love um,
1: it when we disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've, I've been holding on to it because obviously like I send you little text messages and give you little snips of my thoughts. And I was like, I'm going to surprise her because I actually kind of love Iced. Okay. <laughs> it's got some major problems, which I'm sure is what you want to address. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I really liked it. It felt like the first book in a series. It had lots of like energy and you were learning new stuff and I I found myself really, like, drawn into the world. It took a little a little bit, but once I was there, I was pretty happy to be there. Um, it had a lot of action. I liked that.
0: See, I disagree with you on that. It did have a lot of action, finally, when it got to the action, but I felt like it was painstakingly slow in getting there. Like, the first half of the book yeah. was so boring to me.
1: But how um, can it be boring when you've got, like, Danny, this, like loud exuberant like 14 year old kid that's just always out there to solve the next like mystery and always up for another adventure like how can that be boring
0: that's a great question how can it but it (laughs) manages to (laughs) um yeah i don't know i mean look danny uh well let me let me get to the review first and then then we'll we can talk about this more um So the review I picked is by someone called Problem Solver from Amazon. It was posted on December 21st of 2012. So I didn't look up when this book came out, but that's probably not that long after like -hmm. 2011, 2012. That sounds about right. Um, It's a one-star review and it says, it pains me to write this. It really does. I am a huge fan of Karen Marie Moaning. Up until this book was released, I had read everything she'd put out and enjoyed them all. I even loved the first few Highlander books, which had nothing to do with the ever-popular fever world, which isn't true. I mean, it predates it, so obviously, but, you know, there's crossover, as we have discussed previously. Um, She has written some of the most creative and original characters and has unique, complete, visionary world-building, in my humble and inexperienced fantasy reading opinion. All that being said, and still true, I gave up on Iced. I must admit that I went into it with a chip on my shoulder about the heroine, Danny O'Malley. I did not enjoy her in the Fever books, and while I was hopeful it would change in this one, it did not. I found her to be incredibly annoying. Her voice grated on me and made me roll my eyes more than once. I also didn't like Riotin. (gasps) Where... (laughs) Where he was sort of a rough, protective guy in the previous books. He was just scary and sketchy here. And then there's Christian, a beloved McKelter gone wrong. His story could have been handled much differently. I pushed myself to keep reading and made it almost halfway through. And then came uh, the scene where I said I quit. Danny is unconscious and has both Ryo and Christian posturing and lusting after her while she is laying there dead to the world. She is 14. 14. The line has been crossed. It was creepy and inappropriate. I think the whole thing could have been very different had Karen Marie Moaning made the main uh, narrator Kat or Joe or another she here, But alas, it was not to be. I am not giving up on Karen Marie Moaning as she supposedly has a couple more books featuring Mac and Barons, but I'll just have to read summaries instead of the books in between to fill me in on what I missed or didn't miss as the case may be. So, I mean, yeah, I think that we, in my opinion, we can't really go any further, although there's lots to say about this book and there's, there are lots of good parts about this book, but you know, it needs to be addressed Right more off the bat right that, for it right away. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, Danny is 14. fourteen years old. And, you know, one of the main parts of this book is this kind of I mean, really it's more than a love triangle, because you also have Dancer thrown in the mix, um, who, you know, is is a platonic friendship with her, but obviously there are, you know, some hints that they like each other. as more than than friends and and he is also older than she is of course not as much as riotin who's you know what thousands of years old In his early 30s (laughs) right physically he looks like he's in his early 30s yes um and then we have christian who's what like 24 25 yeah
1: and then so how old is dancer is he 19
0: well, I don't know exactly how old he is. I, he was he was coming to Dublin to look at Trinity as a possible college. place to go to college, but I I think that she makes note of how he graduated early. high school early because he's you know super smart. Um, so, so I could, think that he is younger than 19.
1: He would be age appropriate for a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. Before.
0: And I mean, they're, you know, he, she writes his description a lot as, you know, like she can tell that he is gonna be this man. He's like coming into his body, um, but he's still got that gangly kind of teenage physique. Um, so he's he's young. He's yeah. he is an age. He he's what I like the most about this book, to be honest, because that's the appropriate relationship that you want to see. Right. And and you know, I I read other reviews and there's there's lots of talk about, you know, how Ryan is essentially grooming her, which I mean he is. So so look, it's difficult for me because in this podcast we're really trying to just take each book as it comes out and kind of discuss that book as though we don't know the trajectory Mm -hmm. of the character's stories, and we don't know what's coming next. Um, And with this particular element, I find that difficult to do, because if, if we were to do that, to me, there's really no redeeming value in the way that Ryden and, and Danny's relationship is portrayed in this book.
1: See, I didn't see Ryden as a love interest in this book at all. Like you said, love triangle. I didn't think love triangle. I thought Danny made it clear that she liked dancer. Um, and you know she was a fourteen year old girl that kind of had some like pooky quivers when she saw Ryden doing certain things. Um, but Ryden never like. I felt like Ryden was a mentor which I think is even can be more problematic. <laughs> like if you think of like, there might be romance in the future. And then with Christian, she didn't have any feelings for Christian. Christian Christian was just a creeper.
0: Like- oh, totally. I'm, and yeah, I agree with you. She she clearly states that she has zero romantic interest in either one of them, yeah. but definitely more so Christian. Um, But I just meant coming from their side. I mean, they are both, I think even there were instances where Raiden was sexualizing her, even though like it may not have come from his narrative, like yeah. from Christian's narrative, the way that he sees them interacting Raiden and Danny together. And there was that part where, you know, he was Christian was watching them from up top and and watching the way that Raiden was watching Danny and that was causing him to bristle because it was much like the way that he was watching her, which was...
1: So that's on them. They're just being dumb dudes. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, yeah. I'm not placing the blame with Dani. Um, You know, she's 14, so... Right. Which I wouldn't really be placing the blame on her for anything because she's a, a kid. Yeah. Um, But I just found the whole thing to be... Distasteful. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of love it. The like, camera Moaning is like, oh, you guys have a problem with like my alpha males being dicks and abusive. Let me one up it and bring like a pedophile into the picture. Like <laughs> <laughs> just F you and do what I want. Um, but yeah. yeah, there was definitely like I think everybody reacted poorly to her like kind of setting up this like lusting between these older men and a 14 year old girl and like I feel like she's even defending it sometimes through the book like she'll like Danny talks a lot about like I'm not a kid I never was a kid like I'm not 14 she is 14 she is a child and Ryden does speak to that like he does acknowledge that she's only 14 so I think that's why he didn't creep me out on the level that Christian did
0: Oh for sure. Christian I mean crazy. Christian yes. And I mean, you know, the the easy answer for that is Christian is is transforming. Losing Christian. Yeah. He's he's becoming an unseelie prince who are like completely without any kind of morality or moral compass. Um and if anything, I think he has moments of I don't know what you would want to call it like moments of redemption in this book, because he puts himself in positions where he's kind of sacrificing what an unseelie prince would want to right. retain any, his humanity where he can. Cause right. he, he sees himself like losing grasp of this, um, which I, agree, I, I, I And mean, you know, I, I, I like Christian. Um, I don't necessarily want to say I think his character was done wrong because it wasn't the direction that I would have liked to have seen that character go because I still found it to be interesting. Um, I'm really, again, we haven't read the last book, so I'm really curious about what happens with his character, if anything does in that Mm -hmm. book. Um, But yeah, I mean... I don't know. I'm not, I didn't hate this book. Like there were definitely some things to like about it. It's just funny because so, you know, problem one, she's 14. And so, you know, it's, That is it's difficult.
1: Problematic because you've read this series, like the first five, getting the perspective from an adult and it's not a young adult series at all there happens to be this 14 year old kid as a character in the series but then to take that 14 year old character and make her like the heroine and the main narrator of a series that's not young adult like that's what put me off more than anything well no the christian put me off a lot but (laughs) um i found that like it just it felt like a betrayal like (laughs) i'm not 14 years old i don't want to read a book from the perspective of a 14 year old girl so
0: yeah i will say that i feel like she even though there's a lot of fecking and you know gauze and all of that in there still i do feel like there wasn't as much as when we were getting her narrative in the the books that came before
1: like the snippet i did feel like
0: she kind of like tried to lessen that because and make it more palatable (laughs) Even though they were still there, obviously.
1: Yeah, because Danny annoyed me. like I think I spoke to that like in the previous books when there'd be like you know chapters or whatever from Danny's perspective. I didn't like it at all right. Um, and obviously I liked this book and I managed to read the whole thing. So you know, something changed. It
0: got really good toward the end. Yeah, the, like once great. the action starts to pick up, then it sucks you in. I just I had a really hard time getting sucked into this book and I think it's only the second time I've read this one through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, this time, so last time I was like, well, where are Mac and Barons?" Like, I know this book isn't from her POV, but, you know, surely they're going to be in this. I, they were, we saw little snippets of them. Um, but I thought that they would both have more of a voice in this. And so I remember much like you had said in the books past, you were kind of, trying to get to all of the Mac and Barons part. I, I know the first time I read through, I was trying to see, okay, well, where are right. they coming back into the story? Um, so when I was reading it through this time, I was trying really hard to just kind of, you know, allow the story to be what it was and, and try to, to spend more time connecting to the characters that are present. And I still was like, I don't know. I still found it lacking. I understand why she did it because I think that she knew that Mac and Barons are always going to be a distraction to the reader because they're the, they're the heart of the fever world
1: Mm
0: -hmm. to me. And so I think, you know, in order to give the other characters kind of their due, she kind of had to keep them out of the story, but it still just didn't make sense to me that they weren't there. That
1: makes sense. But it doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> but you do get riot in yes we do get riot, riot, in. riot in which I, we do. I i don't know actually i've always been a big fan of riot in but i gotta say like getting to know him a little more in this book i don't like everything that you get to know about him in this book speaking just to this book because i know his story goes on but i, I, I
0: never liked him that much i, I mean you not in comparison so why like why is
1: it why do you think people i mean i don't think it's abnormal for people to prefer barons over
0: Riotin? so why well let me tell you i actually christian i highlighted a passage that christian had said um when kind of comparing the two he says barons breaks heads riot and turns them inside out Baron's fucks you up. Rioten makes you fuck yourself up. He pushes buttons and rearranges things according to his own private, coolly sociopathic plan. <laughs> I love a sociopath.
1: Apparently, <laughs> like, I, it makes me laugh because, um, one time, I when I worked at that grocery store that we both worked at. Um, I had a picture of Michael Fassbender up on the wall um, and <laughs> my husband worked there as well. And one of our coworkers made a comment. They're like, huh, Jessica likes Michael Fassbender, huh? Like that seems like the kind of guy that like takes you to the dungeon, and, like ties you up. And <laughs> Jason was like, yeah, she- You don't know my wife very well. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he <laughs> joked with her. He's like, Jessica has two types. It's either like fun, loving, happy, like party guy, which is my husband or it's sociopathic, we'll tie you up in a basement and you know, do weird things to your brain. I'm like, yep, that's accurate. Like <laughs> that's me. I have two types. And Ryan Well, you and- married the right yeah. one. So I you know. can keep keep whatever, keep the um, other for your fantasy exactly. life. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't say I was the dumb dumb. I know which one you marry, but I definitely <laughs> do have two types. And Ryden def like he fits into that to a T. Because yeah, I hear that quote. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's gonna fuck with your brain. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. So it's just funny because I would have described Barons that way yeah. had I not met Rioton, And I, I made this comparison between the two of them, I think in the last book, saying that, you know, before you really get to know Rioton at all, Barron's is this very kind of cool and calculated and pragmatic character. But then when you get more of riot and to compare him against you realize that barons is much more emotional yeah um well still being you know i guess it's the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath because <laughs> barons is very in control until he's not so you like a psychopath and i like a sociopath <laughs> i guess so
1: <laughs> i've got to make uh, a disclaimer I, I do not like a sociopath i don't want to get no, involved i, in I don't think
0: you need to to I, I, I just like to read about them. That's all. Look, we all do. That's why we're here, <laughs> right? So you know, um, so I, I mean, I do like Riordan. It's just you know, certainly if he were the only alpha male character, I would think he was hot and be attracted to him, right? But I just, I'm always going to pick barons.
1: Yeah. No, and I love and- barons. I mean, I think I, I probably pick barons as well, but. I also love riotin.
0: Yeah. Well, and that, that's another funny distinction to make because you were talking about how oh it's this all this sexual tension stuff is coming from the guys and not from Danny. But why? So Ryandin and Jericho are supposed to look about the same age right. And we know that Danny crushes on Barons. Oh yeah. in fact, Ryandin brings that up to her in this book. And was like, oh, you you, you have the hots for Barron's. Yeah. Um, it's written all over your face. So are we supposed to think that she's not going to have the I mean, I guess she doesn't have the hots for Riotin because he pisses her off. Yeah, he is no trying to control her, her right. and <laughs> he's trying to put her in a cage. And she resents that and she resents him making her feel obligated. And that's a big part of this book. I mean, you know, let's let's talk about Danny. So, you know, we we learn more about Danny's past in this book. And we learn that, you know, her mom found out what she could do at an early age. She's not like other people. She I don't know that she knew she was a she seer, but she she knew she could, you know, what does she call it? Mega
1: split mega mega speed.
0: Something like I already Dream. forget it now. <laughs> freeze frame. Freeze frame. That's what oh, she yeah. calls it. She can go yeah. very, 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 very fast. Yeah. And so, you know. Toddler on crack. Her poor mom. Like, what do you do with a child like that? Uh, how do you stop them from hurting themselves? How do you stop them from, you know, doing whatever the fuck they want to do and having zero control? I don't know, but what her mom ends up doing to her is putting her in a cage with a a collar and a leash on her Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much leaving her in there all the time and slowly kind of going crazy because I'm sure she hated herself for doing that. And you know, and we're gonna learn more about her mom later and, and ultimately what happens to her mom. But all we know now is that's how Danny lived the first part of her life until her mom dies, and then Rowena takes her in and, and keeps her at the Abbey. Yeah. So, you know, Danny Danny has learned how to cope. Speaking of sociopaths, <laughs> Danny has learned how to cope with. Uh, by removing herself from the reality of situations. Um, And I think that that's a really, actually, that's a really interesting part of this book. Uh, Again, foreshadowing some things that are going to come later. Um, But you get little glimpses that this juvenile language that we're hearing is part of her person. She's a kid, so I'm sure like a lot of it just comes naturally with her age. But she also kind of puts it on, you know, it's like part of it is a show mm-hmm. because there's times when she drops out of that and she says these really well articulated sentences with no dudes or gauze or fecking., yeah. and then, you know, someone will kind of give her a funny look or usually ride. At- yeah, <laughs> and so she'll feel the need to like add on a dude she's she slips out of the danny character that she puts on from time to time and and uh that later in the book she actually re- starts to refer to her this other side of herself that she just calls she this, this she character hmm. um who lives inside of her and is emotionless essentially she's She's this part of her personality that is able to kind of detach from every uh, emotional thing that's going on around her and just look at everything objectively Mm -hmm. and logically um, and how she kind of has to be careful when she gives herself over to this she character because she can't get herself back sometimes. Right. That's pretty deep.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously, uh, you know, a side effect of trauma is kind of dissociating. And so you we see that in, you know, everyday life. Um, But then to put it once again, in like this, like fantasy realm um, is really interesting. So I like, it it was kind of it's sometimes kind of rough, honestly. (laughs) But I do I appreciate it that we're able to kind of view it in this kind of reality. Um, And it's sad, too, because you realize like Danny is a a young girl that has experienced a lot of trauma. And I think we always knew that that had to be the case because why are you killing people at nine years old? You know, like you can't, you can't walk away from that untouched, but it's sad to realize that there was even trauma before that, like killing people at nine is going to be trauma. Um, so it's yeah. It's kind of a hard, like Karen Marie Moaning does not shy away from hard subjects. And she like, sneaks them in there too to where you feel like you're being entertained. And then it's like, it kind of hits you like, Oh shit. Like what just happened, you know? Same thing with, like, the, the rape and now older men lusting for a
0: 14-year-old girl. Like, I <laughs>
1: like. why do we love these books? I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, again, I've talked about this before. I think just because you're placing it in this fantasy genre or paranormal romance, urban fantasy, whatever you want to call it, I that doesn't mean you have to kind of stick to the script. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some people get mad because, you know... These books are very formulaic usually. And and much like when they say, you know, if you can't predict the ending of something, it's because, you know, it's not good or you're not going to like it or whatever. I think you can like some parts of a book while not liking everything or like examine why you don't like that. Like, what about that? What is that tapping into inside of yourself that's exactly. making you feel so uncomfortable? And why isn't that okay? Yeah. No, I I don't think she puts all of these things up to be like, it's all great. It's all fine. It's all totally cool. Some of it can be wrong and bad. And, and, and that's life. Mm -hmm. Life has all of those things in it. And it's, you know, part of the interesting thing about these worlds is, as you're right, nothing is off the table. And she's, She's putting it all there to examine the good, the bad, and the ugly. And um, and you can still be entertained. Right. And not agree with all the choices that all the characters are making. It
1: is interesting because, like, so many of our characters have this, like, battle within where there's this element of themselves that they kind of fear, but that they also find useful. Um, and this, like this fear that it's going to overtake them somehow, or they could use it and be super powerful and kind of like navigating that. Like you see that in so many of her characters. Um, and then I, I I guess we all have that. Like, I definitely have that. I have that like kind of fear of my brain. Like, you know, what, what can I trap myself into if I get in there a little too deep? Um, so once again, it's interesting seeing that play out in like this fantastical world, you know, where there really is like an actual like, book inside of you that's filled with evil or, you know, Danny. there's this whole other personality that's inside of her that she's, you know, fearful of. And it's just really interesting. And then, you know, obviously Barons and the nine, they all have this beast that they have to contend with, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and it's interesting that you say that, you know, you see ba- uh, not Barons, Riadon's character is more of a mentor because I think that you're right. I mean, obviously, he's invested for reasons that we don't, aren't privy to yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, and we find out he's been watching Danny since she was nine. Yeah. So he knows all about her past. He knows... More about her than no, than she does in a lot of everyone, ways. Everyone,
1: all the time, he does, it's and annoying. how they don't
0: explain it. Yeah. But whatever, I guess you just have to <laughs> accept the mystery that is the nine, and and yep. who knows where they get their information from. Um, but he he is trying the same way that Barons is treating Mac in a very specific way to like help prepare her for what's to come riotin is doing that with danny to help her get to the point where she is able to look at her past mm-hmm. um he's healing so that her. it doesn't yeah so that it doesn't destroy her and he there is a passage where he um he says that i have to find it He's talking to her and and he says, you know, he's, he's wanting her to, to look at her past. And he says, the wound you refuse to dress is the one that will never heal. You gush lifeblood and never know why it will make you weak at a critical moment when you need to be strong. Yeah. And, you know, she just says, whatever, fuck off. I can run away from anything. I don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't need to look at that.
1: Yeah, she talked um, a lot about how, like, there's no reason to look in the past. Like, the past is a past. It's over. Like, live in the now and kind of keep going. You know, you made it through whatever, you know. Um, and, like, yeah, Raiden's coming up with that, like, no, you've got to look into this stuff in the past so that you can, like, heal it and be a stronger and better version of yourself. Maybe I read into that a little bit, but.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I think you're right on. I, I do agree with that. I do agree with it. Actually, now that I'm talking about it with you, I'm I'm maybe like changing my opinion a little bit of the whole dynamic between the two of them. Um,
1: yeah, because I'm like Raiden and I'm getting in your brain and changing <laughs> you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you are. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. What what else? Oh, so we another part of this book, uh, we go to the Abbey a lot. We start out at the Abbey, in yeah, fact, uh, at the beginning of this book. Um, talking about how, you know, Cruz has now become the book essentially, and he's frozen down there, uh, interred where the book used interned. I thought you said <laughs>
1: interred, which was funny <laughs> because I have a lot of problems with um this book and the one following Karen Marie talks about poop a lot and toilets and I
0: don't understand yes it
1: it comes from all of a sudden I'm like that's not funny like I don't that's not
0: good I know (laughs) especially we don't want Ryan Ryan talking about turds no there was one line that he's talking about poop and I was like poop really (laughs) yeah
1: and then like I think even in the beginning Danny says something random when she's like looking back on her childhood and she's like oh I didn't cry because I don't see the point of crying when people are wiping poop off you I'm like that was a really weird insight into Karen Marie Moning's mind. Like, <laughs> Why did I need to know that? And like, what? I don't think babies are crying because you're wiping the poop off them. I think they're just babies and they're crying. <laughs> Anyways. I just thought I don't a remember talk. that part. There's more poop talk about like toilets and turds in the way. I think that might <laughs> be the next book. But I'm just like, why is that like a good metaphor? No, I don't want to. Th- no. <laughs> Leave the poop out of it. <laughs> Leave the poop out of it. Like, if you want to talk about diarrhea, get it. That's explosive. That has action. That has something behind it. But she's just talking about, like, turds blocking a toilet. Like, that is not sexy. <laughs> I don't like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it might be sexy for some. That's but true. I, not I, true. That. I'm, I mean, I'm clearly just
1: talking about my own opinion. I don't like poop metaphors. Well, there we that's go. That's what
0: this podcast is.
1: Exactly.
0: Only our opinions matter. <laughs> yeah. Ryden is sexy and Christian is a creep. <laughs> and no poop. Oh, poor Christian. He's so creepy in this. He's so creepy. I know you we're talking right. about,
1: we, we went to the cat in the abbey, but like, I have to talk about this while I'm thinking of it. The whole thing that like Christian showed up and gave Danny a box of Snickers and she's like, oh yes, I can't find Snickers anywhere. That was so creepy. It was like an old man giving like a child like candy to lure them into their van. Like I got such a creep vibe off of that. And like, I'm sure it was supposed to be sweet. Like, you know, was it? Danny loves Snickers. Danny needs Snickers to like keep her super speed going. But oh my gosh, I hated
0: that. Thing. There's nothing that's not creepy about christian in this book and mm-hmm. i mean to be fair like he would agree oh <laughs> yeah he's he finds christian, himself he creepy. Battles with it a lot
1: but then yeah. he just continues to be creepy
0: anyways the abby yeah. i mean you know he right oh yeah. <laughs> well since we're talking about this i'll i will say you know he makes a a point about saying something about how he's can, she can look at it as one of the many wedding gifts that oh yeah he'll give her, then but then doesn't like, remember saying it. Yeah, she's like, and the then she like, brings it up, and he's like, "What are you talking about?"
1: Yeah, yeah, Christian's uh going through some stuff, but as all of these characters are,
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, let's go back to the Abbey. So, so a big part of this book is learning that um, Cruz is coming to these women in their dreams or he's coming to at least we know cat and then marjorie as well um basically trying to seduce and manipulate them with the ultimate goal i can only assume at this point of getting himself out of this prison like making one of these women realize that he's not a danger and, yeah
1: release me
0: set me free well he's
1: telling cat like i don't have the book in me like they're just saying that it's all a lie and i can help save the world let me out it'll be the right choice and then he's also sucksing her up and giving yeah. her lots of orgasms
0: and and we meet another character sean her who's soulmate. her boyfriend and who we learn there's another connection there. He's also an, an Obanian. Yeah. Um, which is the mob family that we Max steals her spear from. American Rock. And then Rocky, the brother, comes to investigate the murder and the book gets him, and so now we learn that this guy's what, like a cousin or something?
1: Yeah, I think. He's just in that family. He's part of this yeah. family. And Kat's family also has um crime
0: yeah but they didn't like each other it's a real kind of romeo and juliet situation between
1: them felt so thrown on me as a reader i'm just like what the cat cat has a soulmate named sean and he's no banyan okay like and why does that matter i know i feel like that was just like a fever dream and she's like i'm gonna put that in the book that seemed good (laughs) like like, it, it just came out of nowhere and yeah and it doesn't really seem to be going anywhere so i don't understand the point but
0: yeah, I do really like Cat though. I, I really too. like her character. In fact, I when I read that review and I was like, "Oh, this book from the perspective of of Cat. Like that that may have been interesting." Yeah, I mean, we no. do get a lot of her perspective in here, but it was placed in such annoying spots because it's like you're with Danny and like the action is really starting to amp mm-hmm. up and then you end the chapter and it's like, Oh, what's going to happen next. And then we're back at the Abbey yeah. You we're know, like slow walking through this, you know, philosophical issue that Kat's having about, you know, trying to be the leader of the she sears now that Rowena's dead. And right. how can she do that if she's being, you know, co- coerced by Cruz and has to keep that a secret and, um
1: the tone is very different yeah and it does feel kind of like wait what 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 am i jarring. what am i reading <laughs> but i do i mean i love her as well i love that she's an empath um i think that was really interesting um how she can kind of like sense and feel what everybody is feeling um, like i like the character
0: a lot and i i really like the moments that she has with riot and in this book mm-hmm. as well um i feel like I feel like you're not getting any softness from him when it comes to Danny. No. And I feel like that watching him interact with some of these other characters like Kat was uh, Karen Marie Moaning's way of kind of trying to introduce this softness about him. Like obviously he cares about the Abby and maybe he does just by virtue of the fact that Danny's associated with it and it's part of her world. And so he feels some sort of responsibility with that but you get the sense that he d- he does actually want to help her yeah um and i i i just found those moments interesting between the two of them
1: right Ryden's always there with like the good solid advice if you need it and you're going to listen like he did that same thing for mac um and with cat he's like i i really appreciated when he was just like hey you're having this thing with Krush. You, or Kruse, Kruse, I don't know. You've you've got to tell Sean. Like, if he's really your soulmate, you have to tell him this. And like, she ultimately doesn't. But he's always there with the good advice when you need it.
0: Yeah, and how does he know that? Who knows? He, how he does knows he know everything. everything?
1: Like, it's so <laughs> yeah. weird. And like, and the further on, you do find out a little bit, but I still don't think it explains everything that he knows. And also, like, they're always, the nine can kind of like, they figure out what people are thinking and they'll like react to it. But like, I feel with Ryden, it goes like deeper, like he has to be actually hearing what people are thinking. Like,
0: I don't know. Yeah. Because you don't get that from Barons with anyone, but Mac. Mac yeah. But with Ryden, like, they definitely he... have that secret language, but he yeah. seems to be able to do that with everyone. With
1: everyone. And it's like, I mean, it's, it's like, they're having dialogue. Like you can't just like look at someone's face and be like, they're upset now. I know how to like, what to say. Like, sure. I can tell you're upset, but I can't say like, you shouldn't be upset that like that cat took a shit on the
0: corner. Right. Like now like, you're green Too many details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, But yeah. So anyway, so that's, you know, Oh, another thing, I don't think we talked about the IFPs and the other The episodes we did the the interdimensional potholes yeah
1: is that it yeah Yeah. i don't think we have either
0: so those are those started to to happen when the walls came down and essentially it's like parts of fairy that are bleeding into this world and so you know you'll be driving down the road and then all of a sudden you can get sucked into this pothole (laughs) that's what mac has called them which is you know like a pocket of Fae. It's
1: like another dimension. And, you just kind of right into it.
0: Yeah. And then you can't figure out how to necessarily get back out of it because you get all turned around. Um, and so another big part of this book is that there is one of these by the abbey and they move. And it's kind of this one is is a fire world. And so they can see the kind of path of destruction that it is leaving and and judge how fast it's moving. And it's kind of on track to, to blow through the abbey um incinerating everything in its path and so um riotin comes and and somehow tethers it to to not be able to move from this one spot by this weird little black box that looks like yeah. nothing but is impossible to move um because riotin always has the coolest toys <laughs> according to danny because danny makes lots of batman and robin uh
1: What's the word I want?
0: <laughs> Analogies?
1: Analogies, yeah. <laughs> well, we have to know about those because we haven't discussed kind of like, we're, we're always backwards. Main component of this book is the Whore Frost king. Um, right. And this is like, it kind of just comes in and it freezes everything and kills it. And then it right. pops back out. So,
0: but in of- these like weird spots and these seemingly patternless, Right. ways and where they don't know why it's choosing the locations it's choosing or you know try to be able to figure out where it's gonna strike next yes or what it wants
1: that is why like we are getting this like danny and riotin situation because Rioten has hired or he's not really hired he's forced her to work for him to kind of figure out and like look at these um sites after they're frozen because she's really fast and she can zip around and kind of see like what's going on and look for clues or hints or anything that can help why does he need her for this i never understand that either i have a note because he says something about like oh i i need her because she can like be detached and she can assess the situation and she's fast i'm like like the nine can't do that
0: yeah (laughs) where's barons again knock knock barons where are you
1: (laughs) plenty of candidates that can help you out here buddy like why do you need the 14 year old girl and that's where I think that like he's taking it as an um, opportunity to like mentor her and teach her and
0: help give her focus where yeah. she needs it.
1: But then you're right. There is a scene where like, oh, and that's the other thing. These iced sites, they blow eventually the Like you get like shrapnel of ice shards. It's pretty dangerous. Um, and there's one where Danny suddenly can't go super speed or whatever she calls it. And uh, so he like has to get her out of there and she almost dies.
0: Yeah, which I kind of referenced. Yeah,
1: that. that's where we get that weird. In, or the scene. review
0: did. Yeah, so that's you know, dancer comes in and has kind of a, his save the day yeah. moment in that scene because he's the only one that knows how to to save her without mm-hmm. killing her.
1: Yeah, like he's a he's a smart kid. He understands science.
0: Yeah. I love his character. I do, too. I, d- I will say I enjoyed him a lot more this yeah. time. Through.
1: Me, too. Like, I remember, like, and I don't know if it's that same thing we always talk about, how you kind of find your main characters that you care about and you just want to rush through and find out what they're up to. Because, um, like, Dancer, I was just like, oh, that's Dancer, whatever. Um, but this time around, I was like, Dancer is great. I love him. Like, he's, he's perfect for Danny.
0: When their relationship is really special, too. It is. Um, And you start to see some cracks in that during this book um, because Danny loves Dancer because Dancer just accepts her. He doesn't expect anything from her. He doesn't ask anything from her. He's there when, you know, they're, they both mutually are together when they want to be and off doing their own thing when they want to be, and they don't make any demands from one another and, and Danny loves having that kind of relationship because she feels like everybody else wants something from it her. It
1: sounds like a healthy relationship which we're not used to in these books.
0: <laughs> right. But then you know we see some cracks in that because you know there's one part where she goes with Christian to the white mansion to look in the um, the unseelie king's library to try to find out more information about the horror frost king. Um, and, you know, as we know from other books, time and fairy moves differently than time in the real world. And so she ends up being gone for a month. Um, and so, you know, when when she sees Dancer again after this, he's like, you know, I was worried about you. I you were gone for weeks. I was leaving notes for you in all of our secret spots. And I was going by all these ice locations waiting for them to melt so I could look in and see if you're fucking dead body was gonna be in there and she gets really um affronted by this at first she's doesn't want to feel responsible she doesn't want anyone else that she has to check in with uh and that pisses dancer off and so they do have kind of like a fight their first fight which
1: is normal book. as a very like you know I still think it's a normal, healthy relationship.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. No, I wasn't trying to, to insinuate that it wasn't. I was just, you know, it's, I think that's part of growing up is realizing that if you're in any kind of relationship with somebody, friendship, romantic, whatever, you're going to be beholden to them in some capacity. Yeah. You know, like when you care about somebody, you factor them in their feelings on things. That's just part of, of learning how to navigate an adult relationships right? Um, of all kinds. And so, you know, that's a, a lesson that Danny's starting to learn in this book, that that doesn't make you weak, that, you know, yeah. that's, um, but so that I think that that is why the relationship she has with Dancer is so special because... It's like more in earnest, I guess, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a it's a relationship that's being kind of cultivated naturally instead of of having to come to these forced um, realizations because of a I don't know what I'm trying to say because of a weird situation that you're being put in yeah. by somebody who wants to make you realize this thing.
1: Right. It's a relationship where like they're naturally learning things instead of someone being like, I'm going to teach her this. So let's put her in this situation. So she learns this life lesson exactly yeah
0: um so so yeah I mean I another thing that I wanted to talk about and that's kind of going back to her being in fairy was we we meet another villain nasty (laughs) like this puts the the scary in the sexy scary book like I am
1: not a fan of the crimson hag (laughs)
0: yeah so danny accidentally opens well she doesn't accidentally open the bottle she opens it on purpose but she she doesn't realize what she's letting out even though it's stupid because she just has you know right before that she's opening up all these other books and having them attack her yeah and so you would think after that you'd maybe pause um but yeah so she opens a bottle and out comes this plume of of smoke which smells really good to the person holding the bottle but once you're not holding onto the bottle anymore, it's this nasty. Decaying. Rotting. Yeah. Decaying smell. And the crimson hag comes out. Uh, and yeah, super gross. Um, I was thinking about how you mentioned how gross it was learning about re- uh, eating the unseelie. Yeah. And I think this is like the next grossest thing that happens is this monster <laughs> that's unleashed. Who's, you know, got these like picket or picket these like, potted black dark eyes and her torso is made of bones and she's got her body's not finished it's like these right. entrails and her legs are these huge well they, they liken them to knitting needles because she's yeah she
1: guts Just you like and the then bones. she knits,
0: tries to finish her dress by knitting your flesh to the your
1: like your guts. Like she wants your guts. She wants to knit your guts. Yeah, to make her dress. Gross.
0: It's so gross. And she likes the immortal guts the best because they come back, they grow back. So it's like a never-ending victim. Yeah. So they let that so, out. Yeah, and so they're they're running out of the mansion to kind of escape her, and they come back through the. The portal or the doorway that is behind Baron's books and baubles, uh, which we we learn about that because that's the doorway Mac comes back through with Derek when she thinks Baron's has died and and comes back to Dublin, um, and she comes through there and Baron's and and are just randomly oh, yeah. there, yeah. <laughs> so obviously like. He's the first person and calls when he knows Danny's gone into te- ferry. I assume that's why they're together, or were I mean, they? Just- who knows?
1: It's the alley behind his his place, so it could just be like hanging out, you know, having a bro chat. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but their, their bro is so chat true. is about to end,
0: <laughs> right? Because they get gutted. They get gutted. They get yeah.
1: Yeah, and then Danny, because she doesn't know everything that Mac knows, uh, believes that she has just killed Ryden. And Barons. And Barons.
0: And now Mac has an even bigger reason to hate her. Oh yeah, that's the other
1: thing that kept making me think of toilets. Like she won't say Mac's name because she's so upset about like their dissolved friendship and that Mac has discovered that Danny, you know, played a role in killing Alina, and so she calls her T P.
0: Yeah, what does that stand the for? The person, though? I think. Oh, that person. That person, okay. that person, that person. I had already forgotten <laughs> yeah, so she just later was- in the book. So I was just kind of glazing oh. over like TP, whatever. I don't know what yeah, that's Yeah, she about. calls
1: Mac TP for the entire book. Weird.
0: <laughs> anyway. That is weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she thinks that she's killed Ryadin. And oh, she damn. doesn't really know how to feel about that. Because on one hand, she's free. Yeah. of these obligations that she's got to show up at work at eight every day um but on the other hand you know she's got complicated feelings about him which she mentions at a bunch of points during this book right but mostly she hates him
1: which I get it like Ryden has been a constant like maybe he constantly annoys her and she hates him for it but he's always there and like to think that that person's not there anymore. That being's not there anymore. It kind of fucks her up a little bit.
0: Well, I think also because she had thought that he was so impossible to kill. And that yes. he was kind of just one of those, like you said, kind of constant presence or constant force of nature in this world. I think maybe it even might call her like own mortality into, into.
1: Right. No, I totally think that question
0: because it's like, okay, well, Maybe I'm not so invincible then. If something can come out and take this guy out, yeah, who seems impossible to kill, then right. maybe I'm not as mega. She looks as I think up I to Ryan in a
1: lot, like she's always saying, like God, he can do everything better than I can. Like, will I ever be able to like out him in something? So you know, to have this like this person that she does look up to as much as he annoys her um, to get snuffed out, you're like, oh, you're. I think you're totally right. Like, I think it makes her question her own mortality
0: so oh we didn't talk about joe oh yeah that's Joe another... and Ryan
1: are boinking and i think that's so weird and forced but whatever
0: yeah i mean i mean i do why like... would riot and do that honestly that's it's i don't weird. know but if he will i mean i know why staircase, he, do that, he likes and to fuck i'd like it
1: if he got on a staircase and gave me a nod i would definitely nod <laughs> you're definitely not that was a nice i liked that scene i like this idea of this like you know overlord like he comes out every morning and he stands on his you know crystal staircase and looks around and finds his person that he's going to choose and just nods that's hot
0: <laughs> See, i don't think i don't know i don't know i mean well then go up too <laughs>
1: You go up, but you don't know. You'd probably fight it. You wouldn't be like me, just like blushing and like, uh huh. <laughs> no. But yeah, there's this whole thing about the nod on the stairs, and he picks his like partner for the morning because he says, like, sex for breakfast. He likes sex for and he- breakfast. And that is that is the only like. That, those are the moments where Ryden creeps me out with Danny because he talks a lot about sex in front of her. And I think that's kind of... Eh. Like, well, and then
0: we get that whole part where she sneaks onto level, to four. level four. We talk about level four a lot. That's where all the fucking happens, apparently. Yeah, all the is nine just is get, his office on level
1: four? No, I don't... It's <laughs> okay, because he fucks in there, we know. It's like a sex gymnasium, and all the nine go there, and that's where they have their activities together. I don't know.
0: So it's a real circle jerk kind of yeah yeah, yeah circle jerk level four um so but anyway she watches saying. the monitors on level four and so she sees ryan yeah. fucking and then she kind of gets calls bristled. that to mind several times throughout the book and is like intrigued by it but then grossed out that she yeah. is intrigued by it and wishes right. she didn't know what he looked like when he fucked because it
1: Well, because he looks like he's enjoying it, like it's a different side of Riot and it's not like controlled, like it's he's laughing and like, enjoying it. And she doesn't see that part of Riot and often. So I think that's probably why she's also a little bit intrigued by it.
0: Yeah. like, uh, But she does not enjoy the fact that he and and Joe are a couple i guess according to her they've decided that they're exclusive yeah
1: because joe started working there because she was kind of collateral to keep danny in line bryden's basically like hey i'll I'll kill your friend if you don't show up and do what i'm telling you to do which is weird um but then i mean i guess that's kind of like you're like whatever obviously he wasn't serious because he ends up making her his girlfriend but not (laughs) like i don't know
0: yeah i thought that one was strange i mean not them fucking them fucking is fine whatever but the whole part about how like they had a conversation about it and have decided that
1: yeah they no, like those like we talk each other yeah we're exclusive I'm like i do not picture it right sitting down and being like let's have the like define the relationship conversation <laughs> and that's weird
0: i feel like that was a very one-sided conversation where he was just like i'll let her think what she wants to think because i've got no time for this also i was how can i end this conversation as quickly as possible yeah i was thinking about how
1: like i feel like you and i we like we like these books because there is romance and there's sexy time and like looking back there's not really that much sexy time in these books not enough there really isn't and like i feel like these are kind of just thrown in there because like our main our our heroine is 14 so she's not having any sexy time so we're like well let's have right and kind of like mess around with joe a little bit Yeah, but they don't even
0: describe it we just know we what's did. happening. Oh, I guess she walks in on them. So we do yeah. have one scene where, sh- like, she's on the desk, and doggy
1: style. <laughs> that was funny because she's like, "Wow!" Like they were just in
0: the other room with me. Like no
1: warm up, no like romance. Yeah. Like, and then on. every time
0: she goes in, she's like, "Ugh!" Does he clean that desk off? I hope yeah. he cleans the desk. That's gross.
1: And I kind of appreciated that, like the fourteen-year-old perspective of sexual relations. <laughs> like it was funny. Yeah, no, it was, it was. But yeah, there's really not that much sex. And I was thinking about like, wait, does Karen Marie Moning really write that many sex scenes? Like,
0: I was trying to remember back in the Highlander books because I feel like they had more sex in them.
1: Maybe there was more talk. Like, <laughs> we talk a lot about like the different words used to describe ejaculation, um, <laughs> but like, there's never like you don't hear that in these books. Like, there's no like mention of cream or wetness I'm fine or with that. <laughs> i said i'm fine with that oh, i'm fine with that too like oh god i hate it when the authors try to get creative i'm like no no that's not gonna work
0: yeah i there's nothing worse than having a nose wrinkle in the middle of trying to read those scenes <laughs> that's the
1: thing like we talk mac talks a lot about how much like she's got it for barons and like but they don't really have sex that often
0: no, no. or at least you know they, we don't get to allude see to
1: it they keep it private <laughs> nobody wants it kept private why do you think we read these books
0: (laughs) yeah yeah no you're totally right I was you know sometimes like I was talking about this before when they end up getting the the main characters together too soon and then it's like oh and like how many times are you gonna write the sex scenes and like how as an author do you yeah make those not get stale it's a Um, good balance yeah but she's I agree more fucking please more fucking exactly (laughs)
1: Yeah, because you talk about it all the time, how, like, yeah. Raiden loves to fuck, Barons loves to fuck, and Lore is all about the fucking, but, like, you really don't get that much of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, there could be more. Yeah. For sure.
1: And then Christian gets some action, but you don't know anything about it, you just know there's a dead girl in his bed, which is really disturbing.
0: Yeah. Like, there's the I fun. mean, he kind of explains it later, but... He doesn't really know what happened no but it's like you know the reason the dead body was still there was because you know he was alerted to the fact that danny needed to be saved and didn't have time to he kept the body because he wanted to try to figure out what he did to kill her
1: yeah um and what a good guy
0: (laughs) i mean i felt like it was very selfishly motivated because he's like well look i need to fuck like, pretty regularly. And so I gotta, so figure, out to I gotta figure out what I did wrong because I don't want to be killing every woman <laughs> on my
1: butt. Really? I mean, see, that's obviously what a dreamboat. He's really looking out <laughs> for his partners.
0: <laughs> why doesn't he just... Yeah, I mean, I know why he doesn't just find some fae to fuck because he still hates them.
1: He hates them, yeah. But,
0: you know, that's your easy solution.
1: This brings up, though, we're speaking of Christian and, and, like, thinking of him, like, evolving into
0: a fae. And the, that
1: reminded me all of a sudden all the unseelie princes have wings they didn't have wings before
0: yeah i agree i totally remember the same thing they were saying that's why Cruz was so special, special. because he was the only one that had wings yeah, and, now and so, all of a sudden they all do yeah
1: when well like it confused me because christian's growing wings so i'm like oh well maybe christian's more than we think like maybe he's like the new unseelie king like you know maybe there's more to him but then all of a sudden like they all have wings you can't do that You gotta stay consistent.
0: Yeah, I agree. That bothered me. I didn't notice that uh, until you brought it up. So I guess, you know, she successfully tricked me. (laughs) I'd forgotten. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she obviously, why did she change it up? I don't know. I don't know. She could have just given Christian wings. Yeah,
1: I liked that. I felt like it was interesting. Like, why does Christian have wings?
0: So we learn what the Horror Frost King wants is like, Sound. He's attacking these places that have a very specific sound frequency that they don't, they're yeah. not sure exactly what it is, but it's sound of some sort.
1: Yeah, I was confused by that because I was like, is it a note? But I'm like, no, it's not a note because the whip, the sonic boom makes the yeah, sound. Yeah, it's a
0: frequency. It's a frequency. So, like, some notes can achieve that frequency. Yeah.
1: So, anyways, it's drawn to that and it gobbles up that frequency
0: and everything else in its path.
1: Yeah. Well, it freezes it, it's
0: iced. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, they they make everything silent in Dublin as as best as they possibly can, and they hatch a plan to have the IFP that's been tethered by the Abbey um, suck up, try to try to eat the the frost King, essentially. Yeah, fire to ice. Um, and so they they bring a bunch of stereo equipment out to the Abbey, and they just have you know, different tracks playing until they can hopefully find the frequency that draws the Horror Frost King. But Twist <laughs> while they're doing that, eight or nine hours into this uh concert the <laughs> Yeah, like which they got they have a like it's all bad in my opinion.
1: <laughs> it's about Black Sabbath, I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah but it's fine. But
0: Hendrix is fine, but I don't it's know. Bad. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like it in general when they say specific music music. selections and things, because no matter what, it's going to just date the book. Well,
1: and this whole book has like music theme, like every chapter is a different lyric from a song. So like, right. Which is like the hint all along. foreshadowing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because I still forgot. I still forgot what the what the Hore Frost King was after. I I remembered before they figured it out, but I didn't remember from the get go. Um yeah, so then then the Crimson Hag comes, of course, because she's after Christian. And I guess, I don't know, Riot and Laura and the other nine, besides Barons, who's mysteriously absent from this. Um I'm really angry about that. that? I've got a real chip on my shoulder that they're not helping.
1: Doing that. Um, oh,
0: uh-huh. yeah.
1: <laughs> I just turned into a college boy. Why <laughs>
0: couldn't we get some chapters from their there? Right, we have on. chapters
1: from everyone else's perspective. Give us some like sexy chamber chapters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, another thing well, before I before we talk about the end of the book, another thing that's worth mentioning because it's going to come back later. We do meet, we do see Mac and Barons. They're at Chester's. Yeah. That's the only time we see them together in this book. They're at Chester's and we we learn something that comes back l- later on that um, they are kind of dealing with something else that's going on with Mac. Um, I I got the passage from it. Uh, there, there are a new type of unseelie in Chester's tonight. They're something out of a horror flick. They look like anorexic wraiths that might drift around graveyards, breaking open coffins and feeding on rotting corpses. They're draped in black cloaks with hoods so you can't see their faces. And they don't walk. They hover and glide just above the floor. I glimpse a flash of bone at the sleeves. In their hoods, I catch a hint of pale, bloodless skin and something black. And we come to realize that they turn toward Mac like they're a single unit and begin making chittering noises that set every nerve uh, in Danny's body on edge. And then Rioten says, interesting. You have to wonder why they can't get out of her way fast enough. I've never seen them do that before. Rioten doesn't like Mac. No, he never has. That becomes you really go- obvious. Yeah, and then Danny gives him a look and says, "I'll tell you a secret, Rioton. You mess with her, Barons will kill you." I drag my finger across my neck, just like that. You aren't all that. Barons will stomp your ass, hands down. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Rioton is like, "You've got the hots for Barons." Yeah. By the way, she's right. I don't. We know. already know that Barons kicked ryden's ass when he was the beast
1: one time i mean (laughs) obviously baron's thought that ryden could handle the beast or he wouldn't have sent ryden in to do it so you know we all have bad days i suppose he was just off that day but yeah (laughs) it does become really obvious that he hates mac like he is not a mac fan at all (laughs) Like he's always like saying like, well, Baron thinks you're great. I've yet to see it. But
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: But anyways, but yeah, I think it, it offends they're...
0: him on a deep level that she's gotten under Baron's skin. Oh yeah, and, and he he thinks that's a weakness.
1: Well, he that thinks- and Baron's kind of forced them all to make an exception for her. Like Baron's forced them to like reevaluate their rules or their laws um, and allow someone to know. You know, but what so cool. about
0: Fee? What about Fiona? She knew.
1: I don't. You don't know if she ever really knew the details. Okay. okay. Like Mac clearly knows. Like these guys don't die; they come back. But, yeah, but we were talking about well, the, now. Danny does too. The new Uncieles, maybe they're um that are following Mac around. Which they sound yeah, like the and mentors. So she
0: calls them zoos.
1: No, they're Dementors. Zombie. I'm going to call what? them Dementors.
0: <laughs> dementors. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what they are. <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah. But yeah. Dudes. So these, these things are following, um, following Mac around. And so obviously that's something Mac's dealing with. We don't know any of the details about that, but later when we're at Bar- or in, when we're in the alley outside Baron's Books and Bobbles, Danny sees them again. They're all on the, on the roof.
1: Just like watching her.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, she's obviously in the bookstore because they're all on the roof um so we'll learn more about them later uh but you know so we do do get a I guess a little bit of a, a glimpse about a potential other storyline that's happening not that rambling, we're just not privy to yeah there might be something else going on that's Maybe distracting are busy
1: and we can forgive their absence <laughs>
0: I suppose but, but yeah I'll do but my we're best. back
1: back at, with the iPod and the Crimson Hag and
0: Yeah, so then we get this whole scene of everybody's freeze-framing around, trying to to figure out how they can kill the crimson hag. Um, And, you know, they're they're dumping all the all we got all the she seers are kind of a little bit further away from where the action is and then we've got you know Riot and Freeze framing Joe over there to kind of dump her so she's not a liability and then Danny does i guess Danny does that to to dancer awesome. first and he's really put out by that and then Riot and tries to do that to Danny a yeah. few times she's like no and she's like fuck this <laughs> i'm the mega yeah um, so so yeah so nobody's really able to get the drop on the Crimson Hag. She's like coming real close to like killing them, and then all of a sudden here comes the the Whore Frost King. And so you know, which I thought this is another part that I took issue with a little bit because in all of the times or they see the Hoarfrost Frost King a couple of times do its thing, and it's like seconds, yeah, I and know. it's gone right. And, and then all of a really sudden nice in this glomo. instance, it's it's like at least a minute, even if we're talking about all the freeze framing that's going on, because there's a lot of stuff that's able to to, to transpire, transpire, (laughs) transpire.
1: Yeah, no, I thought Um, the same
0: thing. I was like, wouldn't they already be iced by now? (laughs) Yeah, so there's a little bit of a, "Eh, I don't know about that. Um, But basically, Christian makes his last stand, uh, sacrificing himself, realizing that the only way that they're going to be able to get the Horr Frost King as if they kind of remove the Crimson Hag from the equation, and since it's him that she really wants, he sacrifices himself, and so the Crimson Hag stabs him through and then flies away carrying it's his going. impaled body yep. to who knows where. And there, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so now they're able to execute their plan and the the IFP sucks up the the hoarfrost king and they think Bam. oh you know we saved the day and then it, it becomes apparent that the IFP is getting iced, kind of iced from the inside out and so Danny has the realization that well they realize they have this realization before that what's causing the scenes to explode is the matter being disturbed Vibration. from the, yeah, from the, from the things that are iced, because apparently it's like everything's at zero energy, which I'm not a science person, but essentially that, essentially even things that are inert have like some sort of energy. And so the fact that they are all like zero energy makes them really unstable. And so if there's a lot of energy that's happening around them that it, essentially that's what makes them explode and so they realize that that their freeze framing around the scenes is actually what causes the scenes to explode and so they start freeze framing and they're whipping the whip which we didn't really talk about the whip that much but well the whip is what brought the
1: poor frost king right the frequency of the whip
0: yeah, but like, why is the whip there? We didn't talk about that. Oh, because Danny, Danny thought it thinks was cool. it's really cool. Danny thought it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Dancer, dancer, may- uses the nip, the nip. The nip. We all use the nip a bit now and then. <laughs> um, yeah, the nip whip. Uh, he uses the. He talks about it in terms of um, a sonic boom, and so Danny's like, "A sonic boom? That's cool. I want to do that." And so she goes and, and gets a whip from some pub where she n- knew they had one on display.
1: Because pubs have whips on display.
0: <laughs> eh, probably some of them do. It's like a historical <laughs> whip or something. I don't know. Who knows what those Irish are up to? It was a whopped. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, so she's got this whip. And so they're first they're whipping the... The crimson hag because it seems to upset her to have that sonic boom let off by her and yeah and then the horror frost king shows up ostensibly because of the whip um so yeah so they're they're whipping and they're freeze framing and all of that makes the ifp explode with the Horror frost king inside of it and that seems to fix the problem hooray and then the <laughs> ifp is also gone so that's that's also good news because Kat was really worried about that being right next to the abbey, even though it was tethered. Uh, she wanted Ryadan to come and, and move it somewhere else. They talk about that earlier in the book.
1: Yeah, well, and she's worried about the heat from it, like, melting the, like, icy layer that is Cruz is in. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the, the plants and stuff have started, like, popping up. And she's wondering if it's him or if it's just the heat. We don't know.
0: Yeah. Oh, and then one other discovery we have is that Cat has, you know, we talked about her keeping under wraps that Cruz is visiting her, and she does realize earlier in the book that he's definitely visiting Marjorie as well, because yeah. they have a couple run-ins, and it's just obvious to her what's going on. I mean, they have a run-in in Cruz's lair, in his prison, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but then they, she has a meeting with all of the she seers and she realizes that he's coming to every single one of them. Even ninety year old Aunt Tanty or Tant Auntie whatever, whatever her name is. I don't I don't remember. Oh, yeah. So he's fucking all of them he's in their dreams. In their dreams. I mean, yeah, like why would you just choose two? If you think one of them's gonna let you out, right? You might as well try the same plan with all of them, see who cracks first. Increase your odds. He's kinda gotta- so they never really resolved that. No besides just being like okay cat realizes as a leader I can't keep these things to myself like I should have been talking about this from the get-go because now I know that it's affecting everyone and we need to kind of be on the same page to make a plan for this yep so I assume mores to come with that story cat um, learning how to be a leader well yeah and Cruz and what happens with him Oh right now he's pissed because he's like back to square one Cruz. this didn't work (laughs) (laughs) how am I gonna get out of here now (laughs) um so yeah so I think you know that's pretty much wraps up the plot of ice so now we come to the end and Danny's one more thing (laughs) yeah Danny's like torn between all of these obligations because now Kat wants her back at the Abbey and Riadin's like, no, no way. She's living at Chester's now and she can't leave. She can't go anywhere without somebody watching her. And a dancer's like, fuck you. Danny's her own person. She can live on her own. Leave her alone. And then Christian was trying to be like, she lives with me. But you know, now he's... He's gone. Yeah. (laughs) The Crimson Hag now. Right. Um, So she freeze frames out of there and steals the Hummer and drives back to Dublin and she's fancy pantsing around Dublin thinking she's hot shit because she solved the poor Frost King problem.
1: When did she learn to
0: drive? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> she's really stealing that. cars. I bet she she's a wily one. I mean, she's, she's really, been
1: killing since
0: nine. What's a little car? <laughs> yeah, she could figure it out. But yeah, you're right. They don't even really touch on that at all I guess we're just to assume that she's figured it out um but yeah so the very end she gets caught off guard because she's strutting around and all of a sudden she's got Mac's spear at her back telling her to drop the fucking sword yep I guess we already know that Mac decides decided she's not going to kill her because she Um... already had that realization with barons She hasn't, like, come to terms with what happened and her feelings about it, but I I was pretty certain she'd decided that she's not going to kill
1: her. I think, logically, she's decided that, but she's not sure um, if emotionally she's in the same place, so she doesn't quite trust herself of, like, how she might react around Danny.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And Danny certainly thinks that, you know they're gonna fight and Mac's gonna lose oh yeah she doesn't want to kill Mac (laughs) yeah
1: Jamie I'm faster than you of course I'm gonna kick your ass so let's not do this
0: (laughs) yeah so that's why she's been trying to avoid her because she doesn't want to have the guilt of killing Mac on her head too and then of course barons will be after her and
1: Yeah. yeah yeah that's iced and see I liked it but you didn't like it
0: I like it more now that I'm talking about it, but it was, I just, so much of it was boring. Like I said, once the action started, it was, I don't know. I just think that there could have been other things done to kind of keep the story moving along a little bit at a little bit of a quicker pace.
1: Yeah, which it should have been because, well, I mean, I think part of that was, like you said, like kind of the bouncing back and forth. Like it'd be moving really fast, like from Danny's perspective. And then all of a sudden you get this like, long passage of cat like thinking about the meaning of life and like you know how to be a leader and sexy times with cruz and like you know it just like it was very much like fast slow fast slow fast slow it doesn't feel that great
0: yeah i mean look i like cat i already said that i think she's an interesting character but and i know that this that element of the plot is is necessary for the story that's coming later so it was just sort of beginning to set that up but i don't know that it needed to be in this book
1: i think that we needed some sex because our heroine was 14 so (laughs) have kat and chris and then have right and joe which you know they're having sex but they actually don't talk about it that much
0: yeah just when just when danny walks in on it
1: yeah and what, that was nothing. That was just, like, Joe bent over a desk. hmm
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, we didn't get it from the people having the sex, sex perspective. It was from. Nope. nope. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I agree. This book, lacking sex. Lacking sex, which also. Also inappropriate 14-year-old and yeah. grown men stuff.
1: 14-year-old girl being lusted after by old men. Isn't that kind of, like, part of this
0: genre, though? I mean, yes, <laughs> because not 14, we've already talked about that. But they are younger. No, but they're still hundreds of years younger than the, yeah. the males. Sin, that's why
1: I kind of, like, feel like Camry Monin's, like, just, like, putting a big fucky in your face. Like, you guys like this. Like, this is what you like, whether you want to admit it or not. <laughs> <laughs> what, because I said 14 and not 18, and suddenly it's not okay? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Except, you know, I think when the, the, even though 20 or 25 or however young they are is still really young. And I've said that before that I kind of wish that the heroines were a little bit older in general. Yeah. But they still have life experience, at least somewhat. They have still had sexual relationships. Well, not always. Not always. That's another big trope. There's of a this whole trope genre. of like yeah. virgins, virgins that get pregnant. Yep. I mean, the Highlander books, that's like most most of them, almost every single one. Yeah. So, yeah, that's also annoying. It's like, why can't we? Look, I get that the alpha men are usually some sort of other than human thing that's hundreds of years old, thousands of years old. So no matter how you cut it, it's gross. But can we just have like a 35 year old? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I read this
1: book once, and it was so refreshing. And of course, I can't remember the name. Um, But I remember it was like an alien one. And like the aliens came to the planet, and somehow she ended up with them. But she was older. She was like 34 Um, and already had like, you know, a love story and two kids, and her husband had passed away. I'm like, it was so nice, like a grown up.
0: (laughs) I mean, I understand that some of these books are YA, but yeah. I think like the majority of the readers of this genre are adult women. Yeah. Housewives. No, I don't want to say housewives, because that's I'm not know, a housewife. Career women read. I mean, neither am I. I'd like I like to be a have housewife. Shit. <laughs> shit, me too. I mean, we're all we're all housewives. We just have jobs too, unfortunately. Well. Yeah. <laughs> would I like to be a housewife? I, I don't actually know. I think I would. I would absolutely. I don't want kids, though. I sort of feel like to make it okay, you have to have a kid. Like
1: that's the qualification?
0: Yeah, because it's like, you know, raising a kid is is a job. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And it's, it's time consuming. And it just seems – I don't want to call it an excuse for not working because that's the wrong word to use. But it's like uh, – What's another word for excuse?
1: That you can feel like you basketball. have a purpose.
0: Yeah, well, you do. You do. Like, like, like your do- yeah.
1: be a purpose.
0: Right. I mean, look, I have been very cavalier with the fact that if my husband strikes it rich on one of his creative projects, that I'm a hundred percent quitting my job so that I can just stick around doing whatever I want. I will be a kept woman, no problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: see I think like yeah that'd be great but then I also know me and I get I get antsy
0: (laughs) yeah but then you come out of that I think everybody needs that time where they're just taking it easy and maybe not being that productive with their time maybe being a little bit lazy but at some point you get sick of that and then you start thinking about okay what do I want to do Now that I'm in this situation where I don't have to use my time to do things that I don't really want to be doing, what is it that I want? And I got to think like, eventually, you're going to just naturally want to start spending your time cultivating those desires.
1: I feel like that's actually kind of terrifying, like to just sit down and just be like, what do I want? I don't know. Like, that's not something that we ever take time to really think about. I mean, I guess you and I wanted to do a podcast. (laughs) That's a thing, but. Yeah. I don't know. I think the hustle is kind of a security blanket sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm always saying that to to Austin because Austin, my husband, he's always, he wants a lot. Like he can be very specific about his hopes and dreams and ambitions. And, you know, me, it's like I always have this itch. Like, I want to be doing something like this life isn't enough, you know, like, there's got to be more. But then he's like, you know, you just kind of got to do it. And then I'm like, well, what?
1: (laughs) I don't know what my dreams
0: are. (laughs) I just know that I'm not living it.
1: (laughs) I'm like, I like to read books and drink wine and um, play with flowers. That's about it.
0: <laughs> Look, maybe we're just meant to be ladies of leisure. <laughs> ladies of leisure. <laughs> and what is wrong with that?
1: Yeah. I like
0: to make <laughs> sandwiches too. That's perfect. See? Like, I'll make little <laughs> I'm sandwiches. sandwiches. I'm into it. I don't like to do any of that stuff. Can I just no. be the one that lays around like a lump, cracking wise <laughs> 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 eating finger sandwiches? <laughs> sure. I'll make Great. you
1: sandwiches. <laughs>
0: No, I'm totally gonna, we're gonna open up our sexy book crystals and fuck, we'll serve sandwiches too. I just don't want to make them. I don't like making food. (laughs) I'll clean up. I'll do the dishes. (laughs) I don't know if I've ever met anyone that doesn't like making food. I hate it. I love eating it and I like watching other people make it, like cooking shows. Yeah. But no. In fact, I was gonna make a HelloFresh this is not an advertisement because we have no sponsors, made. but we do get HelloFresh, <laughs> and Austin was like, why don't you try making one of these? And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make one. And I got the card down, and then it was talking about some specific way you had to cut the vegetables, and I was like, I'm out. <laughs> you didn't just, like, Google it? <laughs> no, I just realized in that moment, I have zero interest in this. <laughs> So that's it for iced. That's where we, we part ways with these characters for now. And next up is uh, book seven burned. Burned. So um, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We'll, we'll learn more about that. We'll learn more about what these zoos are. Dementors. Following Mac around and, and whether or not Danny lives to fight another day. Yep. And maybe what, how christian's doing i don't know what Christian happened in the Christian? yeah and cat and cat yeah yeah all players
1: whole whole slew <laughs> of characters
0: to fall <laughs> really there are quite a quite a number yeah um all maybe right more mac and barons i maybe. fucking hope so <laughs> i fucking hope so maybe they will actually fuck <laughs> <laughs> right We will see. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Sexy Scary Book Club with your hosts, Lisa and Jessica. We have more episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you pod. If you like us and want to hear more, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at sexyscarybook, or send us an email and tell us what you think at sexyscarybookclub@gmail.com. at gmail.com.